Every society wants to remember its past, just like a family album is important to share our memories. There are many different kinds of lenses to look at the past. Each lens is based on some metaphysical framework of a given civilization. There is the biblical lens for seeing world affairs from the time of creation till today and into the future. There is the Islamic lens to interpret the past, present and forecast the future of the world. One of the lenses used by scholars is mythology which studies the myths of people. The word myth is derived from the ancient Greek word mythos meaning fictitious or the plot of some story. A myth is considered to be a genre of folklore, not something reliable as truth, but emotionally important to those who believe it. Often myths are associated with primitive people or cults. Serious Christian theologians object when Christianity is studied as mythology. Likewise, try referring to Quran as mythology and you will face a tough response from Islamic scholars. When Christianity encountered non-Christians whom they pejoratively called pagans, these pagans had their own cultures, practices and ideas which did not fit into biblical dogma. The pagan traditions were dismissed as false, primitive and superstitious. The term myth has been projected ever since in a derogatory sense. When Hindu texts, art and customs are studied as myths, it is implicitly assumed that these contain little truth and are not to be taken seriously. The lens of mythology trivializes the original intent of the rishis. It does not take our shastras and itihasa at face value. Hinduism is being studied as a system of myths through a lens combining colonial and Christian baggage, human rights theories and psychoanalysis of our collective unconscious. This undermines the credibility of the rishis depicting them as some sort of primitive people. What would a Vedic view of the past look like? This is what we call Itihasa. The purpose of Itihasa is to see the past through the Vedic lens. The Greek myths Iliad and Odyssey do not have any robust philosophical substratum like Vedas to interpret them. Therefore, it has been normal in Western scholarship to speculate all sorts of interpretations using all kinds of agendas. The Greek myths were not considered to represent ultimate truths in the same sense as we regard our Itihasa to be true. Another difference between Itihasa and Greek mythology is that Westerners today don't think of heroes like Homer in Greek mythology as their own ancient ancestors in the same way as we treat the persons in the Ramayana and Mahabharata as our ancestors. The status of mythos in Greece and the status of Itihasa in India are very different. Given our sophisticated tradition of ancient texts, it is utterly unacceptable to replace our own lens with some other lens from a different civilizational perspective. When someone refers to Itihasa as mythology, they do great injustice to our heritage. Terms like Hindu mythology and Vedic mythology amount to a rejection of the whole Vedic way of looking at the world. Itihasa has no accurate translation in English. The word Itihasa must remain untranslated. It should be introduced into English to capture the Vedic drishti or perspective. The first quality of Itihasa is that it teaches us about our past according to our tradition. It is not someone else's account of our past which would be filtered through their lens. It is not a Marxist account 
or Muslim or Christian account or a colonizer's account, for instance. My family album of pictures and videos tells our story the way my family chooses to pass it down based on our values and traditions. It is not something a stranger can appreciate through his values. Similarly, Itihasa is our story told by our elders and not a story about some people out there. The second quality is that Itihasa serves a useful purpose today. It is not just for entertainment. It educates us on how to live according to our tradition. Itihasa contains narratives across the entire spectrum of good and bad people and all kinds of behaviors so that we can learn lessons which are useful for us in a practical sense. This means there is also a third factor, namely, Itihasa is contextualized for today's world and it must be presented as relevant for the present time. Combining these three qualities, we can say, first, Itihasa is a shared memory of our past transmitted to us according to our tradition. Second, Itihasa is meant to teach us useful lessons to help live our lives today. Third, Itihasa must be presented in today's context and be relevant for this era. You might wonder why we need Itihasa to teach us how to live when there are already so many good Shastras explaining the Dharma. After all, Arthashastra teaches economics and political thought. Dharma Shastras explain ethics of daily living. Then why is there a need for Itihasa as an educational device? To understand this, you must know that we have two broad categories of texts, Shastra and Kavya. Shastra is formal knowledge written for experts so they can discuss and debate technical issues with each other. Kavya is meant for the masses. There are no prerequisites to participate in Kavya because it is designed to be user-friendly for ordinary consumers. Itihasa is a type of Kavya, which means it's written for popular consumption to spread the message of the Vedas through stories of kings and rishis. It gives the same knowledge which a scholar can get from Shastra. The knowledge is conveyed through popular media like storytelling, drama, dance, music, sculpture and paintings. It uses entertainment to inform and educate. Ramayana and Mahabharat are the two important itihasas. Their stories inform our arts, music, poetry and dance since time immemorial. Because itihasa is contextualized for time, place and situation, we find that Ramayana is available in many Indian languages with regional variations and adaptations. Ramayana is also popular in Southeast Asian languages like Cambodian, Indonesian Bahasa, Filipino, Thai, Burmese and Malay. Because Itihasa conveys Vedic teachings in popular form, you cannot interpret Itihasa using some lens which conflicts with Vedas, like Marxism or feminism or postmodernism. The Vedic template for interpreting cannot be compromised. To try and separate Itihasa from the Vedic framework, and look at it through some alternative lens is an act of distortion and violence. We must reject the modern quacks who mythologize and psychoanalyze our culture. Please educate our gurus and other Hindu leaders who trivialize Itihasa and who take liberties with interpretations just to look modern or politically correct. I want you to insist that Itihasa is a Sanskrit non-translatable word. It is certainly not mythology. Let us add this word to enrich the English language and bring the Vedic perspective.